What am I saying here? Can we edit this out? Welcome to the Church Mag Podcast. Women in Church Tech, Five Questions with Mike Sessler, author of Church Tech Arts and host of Church Tech Weekly. We also have a get-off-my-lawn moment. What about women in church tech? That's the topic on this Church Mag podcast. Guys, what do you think? What about women in church tech? The truth of the matter is, is there isn't a lot of ladies behind the faders. There are not a lot of them working on websites and doing that kind of thing. But that's generally kind of how it is in the tech world as well. It's not just a church thing. I think this is a situation where the church reflects the culture. And uh, not that that's okay, but I think that it's kind of a relief that this is an area where the church hasn't necessarily been more constricting the culture, just kind of reflects the culture in general. So I think this is the area where the church should be more proactive than the external culture. Right. And when you say proactive, you mean be more inclusive and not be essentially sexist pigs thinking that, oh, it's a girl. She doesn't know anything about it. Right, right. Oh, she's a girl. She can dust the soundboard for us. You know, Yeah, exactly. I, I don't think there's any established barriers in my church towards women being tech. We actually have a woman who runs sound uh, every other week in our, on our Sunday worship. So I don't think that we are necessarily... We, we, for, we forbid women or, or prevent them. I think that the problem with the church generally is that when we go to train tech people, it's usually men, and men feel weird about training girls. <laughs> okay, and that, and that brings up an interesting point. And while you were dealing with pastor things before we started the podcast, Jeremy and I were talking about this very exact same thing, and that is some of the etiquette or things that you should keep in mind in, in training uh, women for church tech, whether it be in a sound booth or a camera operator, whatever it may be. A lot of sound booths unfortunately, are like tucked in the back corner or in our private loft or somewhere secluded from the rest of the church, which makes no sense to me because if we really wanted good, okay, pause a moment, a little rant. If we really wanted good sound at church, we would put the sound booth where they put it at concerts, which is right in the middle. But apparently that's too distracting because taking Instagram photos during praise and worship isn't distracting, but someone operating sound is distracting, but the guy on stage wearing pants that are too small, having a good time on his guitar, that's not distracting. No, 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 no. The fact that it's bright red and he has a leopard strap for the guitar, that's not distracting. But having the sound booth in the middle so that the mix sounds good, that's distracting. No, I totally agree. We, we actually, we, our church is only um, a sanctuary. I think I had a point with that. Okay, the rant's now officially over. Now, here's the point. Now that I've completely derailed the conversation, and I've had my sound rant, and I know that Jeremy wouldn't have a pushback on what I just said. I'm almost positive. Is that right, Jeremy? No pushback on that? No, not at all. Okay, very good. You can remain on the podcast. We put the sound booth in secluded areas, so the etiquette that you need to have is that you either need a third party or you just need to have make sure that you're you have other ladies so you have like maybe it's maybe you have two people in the sound room so you want to schedule and always make sure that you have two two women running the media at the same time or if you're having training that you make sure that you either have another lady or you know uh, uh, someone else for accountability never have the one-on-one never have a guy and a gal alone in that kind of a situation because if you're not asking for trouble it just looks bad and it's poor form and sometimes i don't think we think that as church tech guys especially if we're married you're not thinking in that way but it can be taken wrong and so we just really need to be on guard and above reproach with that uh and one creative thing that you could do and phil i'm sorry 
Jeremy and I already did this in the pre-podcast. We've already decided for all of humanity. Mm-hmm. This would be a great thing for couples. Aww. For for you know, it would strengthen marriages, right? It would also create families. <laughs> okay, yeah, we're gonna have to edit that one out. But let's think beyond the sound booth. I mean, the same thing goes for the church website too, doesn't it? And and church design. I mean, don't we as tech teams and creative teams always just think about the guys? In the congregation, we don't think about the the creative the creative women that are in the church that know how to do graphic design, that are excellent photographers, that can rock a WordPress site, that has a great ear for music. I agree. I think that I know I know a lady in our church who does uh, she literally does tech support for a company, and her husband is also quite technically inclined. I think it'd be a great way to, to involve them in church is involved in the the tech stuff together. Right, Jeremy. You had thoughts before during the pre-podcast. Well, I, I think that as far as women go, they are actually statistically and scientifically proven to be better multitaskers than men. So who do you want to handle the soundboard whenever a hundred things are going on? Who do you want to be in charge of the video switching as far as a producer? And who do you want to be running the, the worship stream for the video, for the lyrics up on the board? You want someone that's great at multitasking. You don't want me who has to stop, think about what the next step is, and then do it. You want someone else that can actually handle more than one input into their life. And in some regards, I hear all this and say, you know what, this is not an issue. My church has six of the eight people are women. But if we look at the church tech realm and look at all the people speaking into that, whether it's uh, Echo Conference or... Um, some of the big deals, e- even here, Church Mag has a lot of men. And I think that it just, the fact is, is we need to allow for women to speak into that so that we don't have all these egotistical male-dominated approaches to ministry when other ministries like Children's Church and uh, obviously Mops, but all these other ministries are taking advantage of women who a lot of them might be stay-at-home moms who have a lot of time to be able to proofread all the lyrics and come up with great motion backgrounds for the actual video. You realize, Jeremy, that by talking about stay-at-home moms and having lots of time, that you just generated like 35 hate mail to my inbox for saying that comment. True, but I'm also the stay-at-home dad, and I know that when my son goes down to sleep— I have a song. Oh, snap. Oh, snap. He has a comeback. He I, has a pushback. I do for this time. <laughs> that may have been the ultimate pushback of all pushbacks right there. Yeah, yeah. I am the stay-at-home dad, so I'm talking about myself in this situation. I think they have a lot of time. To- oh, he's in our grill. He is in our grill. That being said, my son does sleep for three hours straight, and I have one child. So No, you really bring up a good point, both of you. Usually it's just one of you. I'm kidding. <laughs> Jeremy said has brought up the point of women are programmed different than men. As Christians, we know that God designed us very differently, okay? And we are equal, but we are different. And church tech and tech in general and creative really miss out on that input into problem solving in whatever it may be. We're really missing out. And I think, as Phil pointed out, as being equal to the world in this regard, that we could really be on the forefront of this thing and really say, look, 
this is how it should be done mm-hmm. in a godly and biblical way. And I think that that's a great challenge to all all the all the church tech guys and creatives out there. Hey, we need to bring you know uh, we need to think beyond the guy club, the boys club. This needs to stop. This needs to change, and we really need to be more inclusive. The story of Christianity. Not not the main story, but one of the one Christianity is great because all these little side stories and side things happening that God does in the world. And look at the gospel all the times. Christ's closest followers were men for a lot of reasons. But you look time and again, it mentions all these women who are following him as well. And one point it says that he actually depended financially on a group of women. And you look you get in the epistles and Paul is constantly mentioning women of faith. He in Romans I think it's fifteen, he mentions Phoebe, um, commends her essentially as a missionary. Um, we always mention Priscilla before Aquila. The Christian tradition does a lot to elevate women in society. The first people to see Christ alive were women. And I think that we that there's a tradition there of elevating women beyond where culture has placed them. And I think this is an area where the church is equipped to do just that. On this episode's five questions, we have with us the great church tech Mike Sessler. Mike is the writer at the writer of Church Tech Arts, as well as the host of the awesome podcast Church Tech Weekly. Mike, welcome to the five questions. Yes, <laughs> gosh, that was uh, that was quite a, quite an introduction. I hope I can live up to it. Well, you know, like like you said before we began uh, the podcast here, that usually you are on the other end. You're the one doing all the introducing and the yep. the question asking. So this is definitely the tables are definitely turned on you this time. Yeah, it feels a little uncomfortable actually. <laughs> now, I know, now I know how my guests feel when they come on the show. Sometimes <laughs> there you go. All right, well, let's try to make this first question a little bit on the easy side. So okay. no no pressure. First question here for you is name your three most favorite blogs. Oh gosh, um, I'm gonna have to let me call up my uh, my uh, feed burner subscriptions here because uh, I have I have so many of them. Um, favorite blogs? Gosh, I think I follow about thirty or forty. A um, couple that I read pretty regularly. Todd Elliott's blog, actually first in, last out, is a uh, great one at uh, I think that's toddelliot.net. He just writes some great stuff. Todd's a friend and the director, tech director at uh, Willow Creek in Chicago, and uh, just writes a lot of good stuff on um, on the heart of what we do, which I really appreciate. Let's see, what else do I really like to read on this list? Um, Ron Edmondson is another one, a very very prolific author. He's a hard one to keep up with because I think he posts every day. But he's a pastor and leadership coach, and writes a lot of stuff about leadership and in the church primarily, but it you know could be anywhere. Um, um, but I, I learn a lot of stuff from there. That's uh, RonEdmondson.com. And then probably another one that I really enjoy reading is Seth's blog, uh, Seth Godin. Um, another guy just uh, has been around for a long, long time, very prolific as well. He writes almost every day and um, just a lot of great stuff on product development, being creative, uh, creative process, and, and you know, just all, he's, he's pretty, pretty wide variety of stuff. So And you know he's good when he can write such short posts, still be on type pad, and have the following that he has. Yeah, and and still, you know, beat you over the head with something in 200 words and go, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do enjoy reading that. Those are, I don't know if those are my three favorite, but those are three top ones that I read very, very regularly. That's great. We're always looking for, for new resources. We'll definitely have those links in the podcast page. 
You know, as we said at the beginning, you are the author of Church Tech Arts. You are the host at Church Tech Weekly, and you are also a, a church uh, technical director yourself. So, when you work with these different elements of tech, when you deal with sound and lights and video, if you had to pick a favorite to work with, which of those three would it be? Um, it'd probably be sound. Quite honestly, I mean, it's it's really kind of it's somewhat ironic because I got my start in this business doing lighting uh, back when I was in high school. Uh, I was doing uh, musicals, and I was the lighting originally a lighting guy, and then became the lighting director. Um, and then I went into doing video production as a career. I did that for about. Uh, uh, almost 15 years um, in various iterations and forms. And, um, you know, along that whole time, I've always been doing audio. I've always loved music, even, you know, from way younger, like pre-junior high. I've always been a big music person and um, started mixing sound um, right after college and uh, just fell in love with it. And um, so if I if I had to do only one discipline, it would definitely be uh, definitely be sound. Me too. Me too. Definitely, I definitely, definitely enjoy the the editing of sound. I guess more editing sound than technical. So yeah, see, I like I like the live mixing of it. That's really where I've. Although lately, I've been getting into doing some studio stuff too, which has been a lot of fun. But um, live live mixing is really where my my passion lies. Oh, that see, that's cool. I, I remember when when I, I got brought in to you know run sound. Oh, you work you work in in radio, so you must know lots about sound. <laughs> It's like, okay, well, let's just make one thing clear. Live sound and, you know, uh, production of sound yeah, you know, and yep. what I do are two different things. <laughs> a, a live room is so much different than, than a studio with all the controlled yeah, elements. Yeah, definitely. But I digress, Mike. I digress. <laughs> <laughs> what did you want to grow up and be when you were seven years old? Oh, when I was seven. Let's see here. I got to think. Or, or, or when you were young. doesn't have to be seven exactly. When I was young. Well... Yeah, I went. I went through a couple of different phases. Actually, um, there was a time when I wanted to be an architect, um, probably or, man, late late uh, junior high, maybe. I really wanted to be an architect. I took uh, a, we had to take a drafting class in as our shop class, and and uh, it was probably seventh grade or so. And I just I really loved it, and I've always loved uh, designing things and building things. And uh, so I went through the architect phase for a while. I went through a, a bit of a kind of a carpenter builder phase for a while. But um, then when I was in, I think it was probably in ninth grade, I discovered video production and um, we started doing uh, short films and uh, SNL style uh, film trailers and commercials and things like that. And just fell in love with production technology, everything that goes with that. So I've actually, I'm actually doing kind of what I wanted, what I've wanted to do since since high school, anyway, so that's that's not too bad. When you say that you were, you know, doing the different, you know, commercials and video projects, what kind of technology were you using to do that video production? Okay, this is going to date me a little bit. That's why I asked, Mike. Yeah, most of that was <laughs> recorded on a, a JVC uh, three-quarter inch uh, porta pack, um, and I don't I don't remember the model of the camera right now, but it was a separate camera and a recorder, and the recorder was probably you know it weighed about twenty five pounds. You had to hang it you know on a big shoulder strap, and it was uh, you know it was probably eighteen inches by eighteen inches by about nine or ten inches, and uh, it ran uh, three-quarter inch umatic tapes, and then we take it back to the school and. We would edit between two three-quarter inch uh, decks. Very, very crude. We didn't have a switcher or edit controller or anything. It was just, you know, crash switching. 
And uh, most of the editing was done in camera, which was not <laughs> not pleasant at all. It, you know, in my early days in television production, um, we used SVHS, so we were a step above. I remember seeing those machines in the editing room, but um, we, we never used them. Those were known as the older machines. So you've got you've got me beat a little bit with with the age of tech there. But in the early days of even audio production, you know, we didn't have the most high tech. It wasn't like what we have now, where you po- open up your computer and you have all your waveforms. I mean, it oh, was no, no. it was all on the fly, deck to deck, or even with the video production, you know, we had an A, B, and that was it. And I I believe, Mike, that, and maybe this is, maybe we're just a couple old fools here, but I feel like when you begin to lay your foundation for uh, production work, video and audio production work, that it is doing it that way, that difficult way, that, that, that being creative in how you make your edits and your transitions in some way makes you a better editor. What do you, what do you think, Mike? I, you know, I really do. And I, again, at the risk of sounding like the old guy, um, <laughs> you know, but I, you know, I, I learned how to edit audio on a, on a TX 3440, uh, four track, you know, quarter inch, really real. And, um, then upgraded, uh, once I started working for the department at, in, in college, um, I got to use the, uh, the really nice Otari MX 5050, which was a half inch deck, uh, four track. And, um, you know, one of the one of the assignments that we had as uh, as uh, tech students there was to take uh, a Jay Giles tune, Freeze Frame. I don't know if you've ever heard that one or not, but take it. It's about a I don't know. I think it was about a three minute song or so. But we had to cut all of the lyric portions out of it and turn it into a two and a half minute music only bed. And to try to figure out how to edit that, how to create a song out of, you know, intros, musical bridges, and an outro, um, and, and cut that together, you know, frame, you know, not frame accurate, beat accurate, um, and do it all with a razor blade and piece of tape and a block. And, you know, just, you had to lay it off three or four times so you could loop segments. And it was, it was really challenging. And um, that makes it to me, so much easier to edit now in the Pro Tools DAW era, you know, where you can zoom in on a waveform and go, yeah, there's the drum beat slice and uh, line it up. But I know what to look for because I spent that time rocking those reels back and forth, you know, trying to find where is the beat, where am I going to cut on this thing? And um, and the same thing with video, having to edit on an AB roll system and, you know, program switcher effects and program DVE moves into a DVE that were fired by a GPI when the switch, you know, the, the edit rolled and and all that having to know how to lay stuff back so you can do a dissolve from one shot to another on the same piece of tape all those skills are very very critical i I feel like even as we move into the digital audio mixing era in in live sound um you know i I grew up mixing in analog right i had one you know two channels of compressor (laughs) you know and one effects unit and that was it and so i really had to get good at figuring out how to you know appropriate that stuff well how to make that work effectively in a very limited context. And uh, now that I have, you know, multiband compression and dynamic EQ and uh, everything on every channel, um, it's just, it makes it easier, but I know the foundation. Yeah, yeah. I, if, if there's anyone out there listening that's saying, oh, you guys are just a bunch of old farts. It's probably true. Uh, all I have to say is, get off our lawn. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you can't get off my lawn. <laughs> Mike. Five questions on the Church Mac Podcast. Thank you so much for your time, man. Absolutely. All right. Our story from around the web is from Policy Mike. 
And the title of the article is Tech Needs Women, But Women Don't Necessarily Need Tech. And it outlines a lot of what we said during the first segment of the podcast about women and technology. But it's from a general perspective of the tech world and talking about the fact that technology needs women because they bring a lot of different ideas and perspective to the table of tackling problems and viewing technology. But the second part of, but women don't necessarily need tech, means that that doesn't mean that you artificially push women into technology for the basis of meeting a certain quota or percentage, and that basically it's kind of outlines what we said at the first part of the, of the podcast, saying that, look, we need women in technology because they bring another perspective, but we have to be careful that we don't force and push women in technology just for the sake of doing it, because keeping women out on purpose, okay, whether intentional or not, is just as bad as forcing them into it, intentional or not. Well, and I think that it's probably a general idea to have this rule for any ministry. But like we said, that it's just so glaringly obvious in church technology that we need to have this available. And so I would say, as maybe a redefinition of what this article is saying is that we need to let the women in our congregation know that they have the capacity to do as much or more with church technology than any male in the congregation as well. And so that we break those stereotypes. But at the same time, as the article is saying, we don't necessarily need to hire those volunteers for the sake of having that demographic. Right. Like, oh man, I just listened to that Church Mac podcast and they're talking about like girls running the sound and stuff. And dude, I was thinking that we should totally uh, see if they want to be part of the church tech team. What do you guys think? I mean, that that's not how you go about it, right? Right. I think, I think it starts with when you're doing an announcement saying, we need volunteers, you don't say, hey, uh, we need some guys who can run the uh, church techs. Uh, any guys want to volunteer? Anyone out there? Yeah. They, that's not how you go about it. You go, look, we're looking for any men or women who are interested or any teen, teens, girl or, or boys that are interested in learning uh, tech sound or who are interested in graphic art, you know, that that's really... Or, or photography, that's really how you approach it, is, is kind of a general mindset. Yeah, well, and I'm just, th- I'm just thinking as far as how other ministries go about it. We ask the girls to start babysitting for different events whenever we're having adult time. And so that we have these big vision meetings and budget meetings for the church, and we have girls come in, they're teenagers, to do the babysitting for all the kids, or we have the relational ministry with Sunday school. And so we asked some teenagers to use it to, to lead those. And it's usually girls, but why are we not doing that for the church tech team? Not to say that we need to be in competition and to fight over, but to at least put that on our radar. Exactly. Exactly. You know, I think that the, the way to practically handle the situation is to perhaps talk to a trusted woman in your church, maybe a, a deaconess or a deacon's wife and ask, do you see any barriers to women who are interested, do you see any barriers that would keep them from joining this ministry? And then looking at ways to reduce those barriers to remove them entirely. Whenever you go out and you compel someone to do something, when it's not their gifting and not their calling, you cheapen them and you cheapen the ministry. My denomination a few years ago um, passed a, a, a rule that kind of left one space open in some of our leadership for a woman. And I understand they did that because they felt like it would be too hard for a woman to get that space regularly. And they're trying to, 
trying to essentially not to get political, but create an affirmative action situation where it, it pushed those minorities forward. But I feel like it cheapens women to do that. It's like saying, hey, hey, honey, since you can't do this on your own because you're not big and strong like the men, we're going to go ahead and just give you this spot for charity's sake. Right. And I will say, if you do take that challenge upon yourself to look at it, know that you need to be very confident and sure in your ministry as a person and a leader and a Christian, because you might get some very difficult things that you personally made as a choice that comes out in your ministry. And so just know that that is something that can be very difficult to deal with, especially if you're a leader, especially if you're a male leader, and to know that you might need to start personally wrestling with things and to have some time with God, because you're going to eventually come to a moment where you're leading your ministry as you lead your family, as you lead yourself. And so if there are issues and barriers for women, are there issues and barriers for the rest of your life? And it gets very personal and you need to definitely be able to have that moment where you can say, God, what am I doing and how can I do it better? Right. And I think that that's exactly what this article is pointing out. Tech needs women, but women don't necessarily need tech. And we need to have that, you know, it seemed like a great article to kind of balance out the front of the show of us saying, hey, you know, uh, we need to we need to let the ladies in. We need to quit. We need to stop this boys club thing uh, and and be more inclusive. But at the same time, that doesn't mean we make decisions and we push people that that aren't interested or aren't comfortable with it. All right. You guys want to do this again sometime? Definitely. My wife says yes. So last night I bought a Mountain Dew and I drank half that this morning. My brain's on fire, guys. (laughs) Four times I went to my Gmail account look for an article and four times i forgot why i was there the church mag podcast is proudly hosted by buzzsprout.com the finding justice podcast is proudly hosted on buzzsprout.com